Our scripture reading for this morning is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Would you all pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you that your word is perfect and that it's timeless. And that as we study it together as your people, we learn not only concepts and theories, but we are shaped and molded by your spirit because you, our Heavenly Father, speak to us. You speak to our very soul as we study your word together as your people. That's our prayer together this morning, God, that as we take these few moments to reflect on your word, that you would transform us, that you would meet each one of us in that place within ourselves where we need your touch, where we need your healing, and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring about that work that we have been praying for. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. This is a different way to be back here with you, but it's an honor and a privilege to be back preaching up here at Christ the King uh, for the healing service. As many of you might recall, I spent several years working up here, first as a youth ministry intern and then as youth ministry director. Um, and I was involved for a time with the healing uh, ministry here. So it's a real privilege to be back up here. I bring you greetings uh, from the brothers and sisters at Schuylerville and Quaker Springs United Methodist Churches. Those are the churches of which I'm currently privileged to be the pastor. And I'm excited to bring God's word uh, to you today. You know, they, can, they say that you can tell what's on a preacher's heart by what they're preaching on. The little secret is that pastors are always preaching to themselves as well. And that is certainly the case this morning. What I'm going to share with you today um, is something that is a living reality in my life and something that is uh, fairly recent in my own spiritual growth and development. Um, and I share it because I really um, have found it to be effective and edifying in my own life, and I pray that it'll be a blessing to you as well. Our subject for today is going to be on the fact that sanctification is in fact a manner of healing. I don't know about you, but I have not always thought of sanctification as healing. 
In fact, for most of my Christian journey, I had kind of seen it as, well, you meet Jesus, you're forgiven of your sins, so you're saved, and then you just kind of shape up, right? That's just what you're supposed to do. You just put those sins behind you, leave it all behind, and, and follow Jesus. And there is some truth in that. But what I've discovered in the last few years uh, through my own personal life and my journey and my seminary studies is that there is so much more to sanctification than simply white-knuckled discipline because now we belong to Christ and so we're supposed to shape up. Sanctification, I've learned, is an act of healing by the grace of God. Now, how is an act of healing? Well, it all goes back to the reality of the curse of sin in the world. Because of the curse of sin, which entered the world we read about in Genesis chapter 3, and humanity's rebellion against God, humanity became afflicted in two primary ways. The first is that we are guilty before God because we're sinners by nature and choice. The second is that our nature is broken and corrupted because we were made in the image of God. We're made to share in the nature of God. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. Being made in the image of God doesn't mean we physically look like him, but we have his character and we can shine his glory into the world. But when we fell away from God, not only were we made guilty before him, but our very nature, our very character was broken. And this sounds all highfalutin and theological, but all you have to do is examine your own life in the world, and we know this to be true. The fact that we're broken in our very nature is why we keep doing those things we don't want to do. It's why we don't do those things we know we should do. It's why there's so many broken personal relationships in our families, and our friendships, and our churches. It's why there's so many broken relationships between countries and within countries. The curse of sin, which afflicts our nature, in short, robs us of joy for ourselves, joy in our relationships, and the full life that God desires for us. This has perhaps been uh, most evident through the events of this last year of 2020. In many ways, as I've reflected on what's happening in this year, I think that the coronavirus was almost a catalyst revealing the true brokenness of our nature. If you found yourself thinking throughout the course of this year, as you've looked at riots in the streets and political division and just insanity at so many levels, if you found yourself thinking, what is wrong with people? This is what's wrong with people. There is something profoundly wrong with each one of us since the fact that we are broken in our very nature. We are in need of healing. And the good news, the good news that I have to share with you today is that that is the healing that Jesus came to bring. And we're going to catch a glimpse of that today through our reading in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-11. through 11. So the audience for 2 Peter is a little bit unclear. Uh, many scholars presume that he's writing to the same audience as 1 Peter, which are those elect exiles, those Christians who are out there somewhere in what would be modern-day Turkey, who are facing pretty significant persecution for their faith. And Peter is writing to encourage them because they are kind of out there on an island. There's not a whole lot of support for them. They're being persecuted. They're new to the faith. And you can imagine them wondering, what's going on? God, I thought you would be with us. God, why are we still so broken? Why are people oppressing us? Why aren't we finding more joy in our faith? 
Maybe many of you are asking those same questions this year. Lord, I thought I had grown beyond this. Lord, I thought humanity was beyond this. Where are you in all of this? Peter writes this letter from prison, likely close to his own execution, to breathe life into these beleaguered Christians, many of whom may be about to quit altogether. And my hope and prayer is that as we read Peter's words, just as it breathed life into those first century Christians, it will breathe life into us in our moment of need today. So let's begin with verse 3. We're really going to focus primarily on the first three verses of our reading. Verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So imagine these Christians just feeling beaten down, thinking we can't be the people God is calling us to be. The world is against us. We appear to be against ourselves because we can't do what we're supposed to do. What are we going to do? And what does Peter write to them? How does he begin by encouraging them before his opening introduction in verses 1 and 2? He says, he, he, God, his divine power, God has provided power for us and he has given it to us. So we have everything we need for a godly life. So Peter's telling these Christians, the Lord Almighty is providing for you all that you need to live a godly life. Now, what does this mean to live a godly life? It means to live a life which is reflective of the nature of God. It means a life in which we are image bearers of God, not physically, but in our character out in the world. Essentially, for for us today, we could say it would mean being like Christ in the world, shining the light of Christ with us everywhere we go, reflecting the pure holiness and goodness of God to the world around us. That is what Peter is saying. He's saying, hey, tired Christians, God is making his power available to you so that you can truly be his image bearers, so you can shine his light into the world. Not only that, but this is what he's calling you to. This is what he's given to you through his own glory and goodness. So God is calling us to his glory. God's calling us to his goodness by his power. So get this, if you're feeling discouraged. God is calling not just these first century Christians, but you and I today to a life of holiness, a life of godliness, a life of sanctification, reflecting his image to the world. The Lord is calling us to that. And he has provided for us the power that we need to accomplish that through the Holy Spirit. Providing that healing work. That's the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Healing the brokenness in our nature. And then he's going to press further into this point in verse 4. Through these, these referring to his goodness and godliness. So through his goodness, his glory and godliness, through these things he has given us very great and precious promises. Here he's referring to the gospel with these very great and precious promises. He's talking about all that Jesus has accomplished for us. God earnestly desires us to be healed in our nature, to be reconciled to him and forgiven of our sins, and then to have our broken nature healed. That's why Jesus came. He came for us. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place for our sins on the cross so we could be forgiven. He rose in victory, conquering sin and death. He ascended into heaven, into the presence of the Father, so that we too might enter into the presence of the Father. And he has sent the Holy Spirit 
to indwell all those who would believe in his name to heal our broken nature. These are the promises Peter is referring to. So these promises are the work that God will do in us and through us, through his son Jesus. He has given us these very great promises so that through them, through the gospel, through everything Christ has accomplished for us, you may participate in the divine nature. So what's he saying there? He says you get to have the nature of God. Not that you become God, but that you get to actually be made again into the image of God. You become a new creation. Whereas once we were broken because of sin, fallen away from God, and living a life of folly and sin and brokenness by the power of the gospel, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can be made back into the image of God. Partakers of the nature of God, drawn into the life of God, so that we can experience wholeness, so that we can experience joy, in our lives, and so that we can truly shine the light of Christ in any and every circumstance that we encounter. Listen to this really powerful quote uh, by John Wesley on this subject. He says, By salvation, I mean not merely deliverance from hell or going to heaven. I want to pause there because Wesley definitely preached very heavily on the importance of justification, having your sins forgiven so that you could go to heaven rather than to hell. That's an important point in Wesley's preaching, but he's saying that that's not the only point of the gospel. The only point of the gospel is not getting your fire insurance, as so many people think today. The point of the gospel goes even beyond that to a more glorious reality, which he's about to say, by salvation, I mean not merely a deliverance from hell or going to heaven, but a present deliverance from sin, a restoration of the soul to its primitive health, its original purity, a recovery of the divine nature, the renewal of our souls after the image of God, and righteousness and true holiness, and justice, mercy, and truth. So what's Wesley reflecting on there? He's reflecting on exactly what we're saying today. That by the grace of God, though we are broken in our nature, we can be healed by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The way that we were image bearers of God, which has been broken, it can be knit back together. As we do this, we become fully alive. We become the people God has made us to be. We're drawn deeper into the life of God. And we're able to have strength and joy no matter what we encounter. And then Peter, having presented these truths of all that God is making available to these Christians, he's going to exhort them to step out and step into all that God has for them. Verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. So what's he saying? He's saying, God has provided for you everything you need, persecuted and beleaguered Christians, to have strength, to have joy, to reflect the image of God, to glorify God in the world, to advance the kingdom of God on earth. What you need to do is respond to all that God has made available to you. Because it's our response to the initiative and grace of God, which activates the power of God in our lives and in reality. It's not by our own power, but God invites each one of us to take action. He provides the grace and power that we need, but it only becomes realized, it's only catalyzed in our lives when we step out by faith and into all that he has provided for us. So today, 
if you are feeling broken, and this year has just exposed the inner brokenness of yourself more than ever, if you are discouraged about your walk with the Lord, if you're discouraged about the circumstances that surround us, if you're discouraged about the direction that the world is going, know this, God, through his divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life. He has given us everything we need to be healed from our inner brokenness. He's given us everything we need to shine forth his goodness and character and glory into the world. He's given us everything we need to be transformed ourselves and to be his ambassadors transforming the world into a new creation. All we need to do is step out. Again, this can sound so nice. It could be like, yay, that sounds really good. And then you leave the service and you go to real life and you get in a conflict with somebody or something happens or you fall back into your ways. How can we apply this? Well, I want to show you from the Bible and also from my own life that this is not just theory. This is world-altering, like life-altering truth. If you think about the Apostle Paul, he gave up everything he had to serve the Lord. Sometimes we get so focused on the murderous man that he was before he became a Christian that we forget everything that he had. Paul had position. Paul had power. Paul had influence. Paul had affluence. He had built up his whole life to this point. He was in the prime of his career, so to speak, with only the brightest days before him. And what does he do? He leaves it all behind because of Christ's call in his life. And we find him, when he's writing the letter to the church at Philippi, he's writing from jail, not knowing if he'd be there for a long time, for a short time, if he'd be executed, or what would happen to him. And imagine yourself sitting in jail for serving the Lord, having forsaken all of these advantages and privileges and bright future that you had, and writing a letter of encouragement to the church at Philippi. And in the first chapter of that letter, in the beginning of the letter, saying that you are rejoicing because of the circumstances and that you have more confidence than ever in the power of the gospel. That's exactly what Paul did. Paul, even in those circumstances, he tells them that he's rejoicing. And why? Because he's seeing the power of the gospel at work. Paul is converting people from the inside. He's converting the guards. He's converting other people in jail. And he's rejoicing because he's walking this walk with the Lord. He's being renewed after the image of God. He's experiencing the power of God in his life. He's experiencing this power to be a partaker of the divine nature that Peter is talking about today. So he's filled with joy and he's filled with confidence because he's seeing the Lord at work in his life. And now from my own life and experience I'll share, I started the sermon by saying this is something near and dear to my heart. Um, as some of you may know, um, my wife has a pretty debilitating chronic illness, and we have two young children. I serve two churches, and I'm in seminary. If it sounds like a lot, it's because it is. And through on top of that, uh, this year of COVID-19, and all the complexity and difficulty that's, that that has brought, um, all the extra funerals that there have been, all the extra pastoral care people have needed. I found myself in the last year, even before this last year, but especially in this last year, going, Lord, 
if you want me to be the husband to my sick wife that you're calling me to be, if you want me to be the father to my kids alongside my sick wife that you're calling me to be, if you want me to be the shepherd to these churches in this broken and dark, confusing world that you're calling me to be, then you got to do something. Because I don't have it within me to be the husband, the dad, and the shepherd that you have called me to be. I am too broken and deficient in my own nature to do this. And you know what I've found as I've walked with the Lord? He is faithful. He has answered that prayer. I am so far from perfect. It's unbelievable. But by the grace of God, I'm not who I once was. The Lord has drawn me deeper into relationship with him. He is healing my broken and fallen nature. He is allowing me to have joy and strength and insight and circumstances that I would have never thought were possible. This is not just a theological theory. This is a real reality from our living God who is not far away, but he is intimate. He is here and he can be at work in your life even now. So at this point, you might be thinking, okay, I'm sold. Hopefully that's what you're thinking. Um, how can I step into this? How can I be drawn deeper in, and become a partaker of the divine nature? How can I experience sanctification as healing? Well, I'm going to give you the Wesleyan answer, being I'm pastoring Methodist churches. Wesley would have said, attend upon the ordinances of God. What does he mean by that? That's a very fancy and old-fashioned way of saying, avail yourself of the grace God is making available to you. Go to church. Worship God. I know it's difficult to go to church these days, but you can participate in recordings like this. You can watch online. And you know, going along with this journey I've been on, something that I've realized that I really should have picked up on a long time ago. Maybe I'm a little slow in this. But going to church is not about us. It's about coming together as the people of God and ascribing to God the honor and the glory and the worth that he is due. And it's amazing when you look at worship that way, the healing that will come into your soul. That joy of self-forgetfulness and just losing yourself in the majesty of God. I really want to encourage you to go worship the Lord in that way. Participate in the ministry of the word. So hear the, Lord, hear the word preached. Study the word by yourself and with others. Take Holy Communion. Wesley took communion like three or four times a week. We don't have time to get into a whole theology of communion today, but the grace of God is made available to us by faith to help us to grow in holiness when we are partakers of the body and blood of Christ. Be devoted to private and corporate prayer. And, and can I just commend to you the use of the daily office? I, I know many of you watching are Episcopalians, not all are, um, but the the daily office in the Book of Common Prayer is something I never in a million years thought I would use. I thought it was boring and disingenuous and religious and, and all sorts of, of not good things. But since the time that COVID has broken out and as I've been on this journey, it has been a lifeline for me. It is so amazing to pray these beautiful ancient prayers in the morning, in the middle of the day, in the evening, before you go to bed. And at those increments of the day, reorient yourself toward God to remind yourself who God is, who you are. Remind yourself of the grace and the power that's available to you through Christ in your relationship with God. So make prayer a priority in your life. Draw near to the Lord. Another new one that I've cultivated is fasting. This is a discipline that Wesley really believed in, one I've only recently started to use, 
but I have seen how the Lord can use the discipline of fasting to bring about incredible spiritual fruit in our life. We don't have time today to get into, uh, I go way over the time that Deacon Marion has prescribed me if I was going to talk about how to go about fasting and all of that. Um, talk to your, your priest or pastor about it. But it is incredibly powerful discipline which can bear really good fruit in your life. So today I want to commend to you that sanctification is not just about white-knuckled discipline and trying to move beyond those sins that hold us back and that God will be angry with you if you keep doing it. It's an act of healing by the grace of God, by which our broken and corrupt nature is made whole. We're able to come more fully alive and be the people God has made us to be. We're able to be partakers of the divine nature and reflect the image and glory of God into the world. And in so doing, have more strength and joy and wholeness than we ever thought possible. Would you pray that the Lord in his goodness would allow each one of us to experience a deeper depth of his presence and work and his healing work in our nature. Let's pray. Lord, it's so easy um, to look at your word, to see this, or to listen to a sermon and hear this and say, oh, that sounds nice. And then you go out into the world and, and everything changes. Once you have to interact with your spouse and the people around you and, and, and your kids and people in the grocery store and people in your church and, and you struggle against yourself, all of that stuff can become just theory. Our prayer today, God, is that it wouldn't be theory, but that by your power and grace, you'd be at work healing each one of us even now to be made more fully back into your image and to become partakers of your nature. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.